Mackie and Judd uh, back from the Mall of America. We're actually located, Philip, in the fan gallery in the Media Center presented by Microsoft. If you want to check us out, we are on level three right by the Shake Shack. Yeah, right so, by right by Shake somebody Shack. Somebody say hi. Wave to us. I have not dabbled in Shake Shack yet. I've done the uh, the Naf Naf Mediterranean situation. Yeah. Might have put a little bit too much sauce on yesterday. Uh, you know, a little bit of a rumbling stomach. But other than that, fantastic. But you have to sit next to me all week, so you're the only one who has to deal with I'm gonna my pay the price. stomach. Yeah. So, so Ross Tucker was fantastic. But Ross Tucker had a very good point, and it occurred to me last night during, what, opening night, opening deal for, uh, for what, what used to be media day here. Nick Foles takes the stage to do a uh, Q&A with Brady. And he gets massively booed by the Vikings fans there. All right, fans, listeners, we need to get past this. You're mad at Eagles fans, and I get that. And you reserve that right completely. I'm not telling you not to be mad at them. But your anger for what happened on that field does not lie with Nick Foles. It does not lie with the team that wore green that day. It lies with the Vikings. And you have every right to be very upset at the Vikings. But let's, let's, the Eagles didn't throw beer cans at you. The Eagles came out with a great game plan. As far as I can tell, they're likable. Foles seems like an okay guy. Peterson, I covered in Green Bay, is a really good guy. A guy like Chris Long, a good guy. So let, let's place our anger here for what transpired on the field at the link that day in the right place. We're mad at the Vikings. Sure. Uh, if I could, yeah, if I could order, you know, the, a list of entities that you could feel. You know, hard feelings toward, right? Yes. Yeah, the, the Vikings coaching staff and players, number one, for absolutely coming in low energy compared to the Eagles, coming in unprepared for the curveballs that Doug Peterson threw at you in that game. But then number two, I, you know, I think a lot of people are saying, yeah, get over it, you know, get over the Eagles fan thing. It is absolutely the most obnoxious fan base in all of the NFL. And I don't want to continue to make it a huge deal. I don't. But it's egregious some oh, of the yeah. things that were, criminal. that were shown it's criminal yes on some social media it's absurd absolutely um so i would just say I'm, I'm with you if if in a vacuum if you knew nothing about philadelphia eagles fans and you were just going to watch this super bowl as a vikings fan or anybody you would absolutely root for the underdog story and nick Foles, right although for me i kind of want to see tom brady keep racking up super bowls because i love history but the and nick Foles and thing is a good story so really, it's the behavior of their fans yes. that takes away from maybe this fun underdog team to root for. Right. But I, I said this. I was on with uh, with with the fan in Toronto this morning, and they said, "So what is it like? Our Vikings fans? National. I know. Well, international. 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 Correct. I'm sorry. I yeah. Stand I'm corrected. Uh, that's right. I'm a name dropper. I'm a radio station. You're big in Toronto dropper. too. You're big in Canada, I, and you're I'm huge. I'm a puck guy. Really. That's why they wanted me on. We talked puck. They the said whole time. you went to the Senators game. They said name five hockey teams. I'm like uh, Wild Blackhawks. <laughs> uh, and I said, honest to God, and I, I'm only half kidding. If you put a Super Bowl matchup on the field between the Eagles and ISIS, I think Vikings fans would root for ISIS. Like, I know, I think and that's... there's that much animosity right now between Vikings fans and Eagles. And I'm just, Eagles fans have moved on. I'm just saying it's misguided. Like being mad at Nick Foles really makes no sense. You're mad, and, and I get it. You know what? Be mad at the Vikings. They came out. They gave up 38 points. Yeah. They didn't come out and represent themselves. This wasn't a close game, and this wasn't a great game. And a lot of you paid huge dollars to fly there and get into that stadium and saw you drubbing. I'm just trying I'm trying to 
I'm trying to be a therapist here and channel the anger correctly. Because you're not going to get past sure. it until you face your demons and that demon wears purple. You know what? The other thing, too, I've been trying to wrap my head around this. You know, trying to, by the way, Stefan Diggs, speaking of, is, is wandering through doing media appearances right now. And he, and he looks, looks miserable. He looks really he excited looks, to be here. How about the Super Bowl? One more saying, look at Stefan Diggs over there. And he's not like, he's not the most, he never looks gregarious, even though he's a fun loving guy. Yeah. He looks like this is death for him to be bouncing around from different radio stations. Well, he, know, he knows what's coming. We can feel his pain. So what happened there in Philadelphia? Does that, does, here, well, in fact, let's predict the five most likely questions he's going to get. Does that play take on less meaning now that you failed to pay it off with the Super Bowl championship? Well, uh, the answer is probably yes, but I don't want to deal talk with Talk about your right defense. Yeah. Just talk about your defense, but yeah. I don't play defense. I don't care. Just talk about it. Um, so I've been trying to wrap my head around this notion that the Vikings have a great young defense, that their window could still be open mm -hmm. with what history tells us that you get beat and drummed that bad in the NFC Championship game, or historically the Vikings get to that point and lose in heartbreaking fashion, and you don't just dust yourself off and come back. You don't. Like the Bills did, and sometimes other teams have. Most teams don't. Uh, the Broncos did, but most teams don't. Yeah. I'm trying to reconcile that in my head when I talk about the Vikings' chances in 2018. Right. Like, I don't, objectively... I don't think they're going to make the playoffs unless they make a big splash at quarterback. But that's and Alex Smith would qualify to me as that. But that's why we're having this discussion. I mean, they, as reckless as our speculation has been for a week plus now, reckless and by the way, it's been fantastic, <laughs> but as reckless as, as that speculation might be, that's the type of thing, if you bring, we have learned the lesson, I believe, from 2010, that if you say, well, that team was pretty good. Let's bring them all back in football. That doesn't work. Like So if you just say, well, I think Keenum can replicate this, he probably can't. This is not this is not a rip on the season that Keenum had. He was spectacular for what we expected from him, which was basically nothing. I get that. But if you just say to yourself, let's try it again, bands all back together, ordinarily in this league, you fall flat. you, you got to keep in mind, too, the window didn't just open in 2017 for the Vikings. The window opened in 2015. Absolutely. When they went 11-5. and five. Absolutely. So they're really, I know they missed the playoffs in that second year. They went 8-8. Eight and eight. It was respectable. They got off to a good start. A lot of things went wrong. But that was part of this now three-going-on four-year window. Mm -hmm. And it's a window that doesn't include a franchise quarterback. So I know that this, there's some cognitive dissonance here. If you're a Vikings fan, you don't want to hear real talk. But this is real talk. They can't just walk into I'm that schedule. I'm right now myself. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. You I can't know. just walk into that schedule. Look at right. the road schedule at Philadelphia. Well, bleeping New England on the road next season. And the, the window conversation, if you're going to, to have it, what you have to understand is on a year-by-year -year basis, the amount it's opened or closed changes drastically. Yeah. So, like, just because you're bringing this roster back or, or your key components back, doesn't mean that, let's say, Joseph gets hurt in week two. Okay, it closes a little bit. Let's say Rhodes gets hurt in week eight. It closes more. So so this notion that, oh, my gosh, we just have the entire roster back and the roster's great. This year this year was a year where where because you had signed Keenum and, and because Cook could be replaced, the window actually stayed open very wide for a long time. That's not a year-by-year -year proposition. It opens and closes by the week, basically. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's. Uh, I mean, that's I that's the real conversation. Yeah, it's going to be. That's the reality. It, you almost, you know, who was I? I was watching something. I'm trying to think of exactly what it was. 
it might have been that Kirk Cousins article explaining the concept of, yeah, it was the Kirk Cousins article. Ex- it, you know, just sort of projecting ahead all the obstacles you're going to have to be ready for in an individual game or a season. And Kirk Cousins, this was about him, him having a brain coach and him having, you know, all these different things behind the scenes to help him reduce anxiety for games in the pocket and prepare mentally and get his process right. Uh-huh. And he talked about this, this road game, I don't know, a couple years ago, where he knew he was banged up. He knew that he wasn't getting great sleep that week. He knew it was a tough road environment. He also knew, and he didn't say this in the interview, that his defense sucks, right? So he's going through this checklist of, like, six things that going into the game, you're going to have to make a mental note of these things and increase your preparation, energy, whatever it may be, Absolutely. times six or ten right. to get to get to a level where you can win the game. Right. And, and I would apply that same principle to the Vikings. Whatever you do this offseason, prepare for a Case Keenum regression. You can't bank on Case Keenum continuing this. So if he does and you bring him back, gravy. Prepare for a regression and either get somebody else all, all together, prepare for a tougher schedule, prepare for defensive injuries. Mm-hmm. It's almost like when the Twins go into the season, you know, the last eight to ten years until now when they finally grabbed legitimate relievers in free agency and said, well, we're going to hope that these seven relievers all pan out to be incredible and all have career seasons. And hope bites you right in the butt. You can't go in hoping for no. the same defense, the same success in the regular season, the same quarterback. No. So just plan for a lot more roadblocks is is my only advice to the Vikings. Yeah, and they're, and that that's why when they get together to meet, their conversations have to revolve around that fact. And they have to say, okay, we got Cook coming back, which is going to help a lot, which it yeah. should help, but... Can we trust Case? Can we trust the defensive depth? Those things. So, yeah. And and that's also why, uh, despite the fact that the O-line improved, you have to look at the O-line and say it needs to get stronger again. Who can we replace potentially? Who can we get as backups? Yep. Yeah, I mean, I don't think for for one second that they sit down here in the next couple weeks and say 13-3, and three, that was great. You basically say... 13-3, and three, what's going to go wrong in 2018? Yep. That's so, the reality. So plenty more life. reckless speculation the entire week as it uh, pertains to the Vikings. Let's take a break here and clear some room because yeah, who's next? Joe Laurinaitis, road warrior animal, Legion of Doom. This is one of my favorite wrestlers as a kid. I've never met him in person. He's also the father of James Laurinaitis. These are Minnesota guys. A fine linebacker. A really good linebacker, yes, in his day. So we'll come back. We'll talk some football, some wrestling, some stories. Looking forward to this conversation from Radio Row with Joe Laurinaitis. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Judd. Uh, first, I want to talk to you about where we are right now. That would be the Mall of America. I've been telling you all morning long how simple it, it is to get to the mall. So let me tell you what is here once you do get out here. More than 65 exciting events taking place on every level around every corner of the mall all this week. I'm going to put this as simple as possible. If you love football, it's a festival of football out here. That's exactly right. Purchase official team gear at over 20 stores, including the official NFL shop located on the second level by Nordstrom. Check out the Best Buy Tech Zone in the Rotunda. In fact, photo opportunities with Stefan Diggs from 2.15 to 3 o'clock today. Uh, Plus, you can enter for a chance to win Best Buy gift cards and game-changing tech from Bose. Getting here is simple. I've said that. Here's the other thing. Think about the fact that if you come out here with your family and they don't like football, there are so many shops here. There are so many opportunities for to look at things. 520 stores beyond football. Check it out. Mall of America. Get out here today and enjoy a festival of football. Mackie and Judd, we're back with you at Radio Row, Mall of America. 
It's amazing how U.S. Bank Stadium is essentially eventless and dormantless until the Super Bowl, right? I mean, I, I would think, I guess yeah, in I my mind, I thought, eh, media day is usually at the stadium historically. Uh, but but the fact that you've got the XL Energy Center, you've got the Convention Center, you get all these other venues that are hosting events in the Mall of America with all of the, the press conferences and Radio Row, that you can have a $1 billion palace be eventless during the biggest sports week of the Sunday. year. Yeah. No, this is great. I find that pretty amazing. Here. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to make it to the Convention Center this week or not. That might be the only thing that uh, the football experience. But if you want a full list and details of all the exciting events on Radio Row or uh, just in general with, with the Super Bowl, mallofamerica.com is your place to go. mallofamerica.com for a full event list, uh, Super Bowl 52. We are awaiting here shortly. He's on his way over, I believe, Joe Laurinaitis or Road Warrior Animal. <laughs> as you, you, as are, you know him. Yes. Uh, and that's, a, that's, an, that's kind of a... The family tree there is interesting. So his son, James Laurinaitis, who people know from his legendary Ohio State career, played a very good career in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So his brother, John, was a longtime WWE executive and a former professional wrestler. Mm-hmm. And his, so his, let me do the math on this. His son-in-law is uh, Daniel Bryan also, who's... Oh yeah, the famous I've heard the name. So, yeah. so you never, but you never really got into. Even as a kid, you never really dove into like I told, AWA. Yeah, I did. I, I used to watch it on Sunday mornings on Channel Nine. Okay. So that that was about it, though. I certainly did, did not follow your path of uh, of being a fan throughout my life. So yeah, yeah. I think if I think back to my early, so I was born in 1985, and so I, I recall watching wrestling for the first time in about 1989, 1990 as a four or five year old. Your, your first match. That you went Nate, to the first ever like in an arena. Yeah, was when did you first go to a match? I believe I believe Road Warrior Animal and his his late tag team partner Hawk, they were the Legion of Doom in the WWF at the time. Now yeah. WWE, I believe they were the headline tag team for this event at Target Center. But it was a Ric Flair Macho Man Randy Savage main event in 1992. Okay, I want to say like early or mid 1992. I went to Met Center for one in 84 or 85, and I remember that. The Twins came back to town. It was on a Sunday. The Twins played in the afternoon in, like, Cleveland, got back, and, and in walked halfway through the match Herbeck, Brunanski, and, like, Laudner or yeah. something. Yeah, Because they were big fans. They yeah. loved wrestling. I mean, there was, yeah, AWA, they would hold events at Metrodome. They'd, they'd, pack, they'd pack not only, you know, arena-sized venues, but, but big-time big time venues. So when we think of football players playing in front of 100,000 people at Ohio State, some of these guys, like, Roadway or Animal or the guys right now. WrestleMania, we're talking going back to the late 1980s. They would pack the Pontiac Silverdome, 90,000 fans. That started when? With a small, with with a ring in the middle of the setup. Wow. Uh, WrestleMania started in 1985. And um, WrestleMania started in 1985. And then WrestleMania uh, 2 was at three different venues in 1986. 87 was the Pontiac Silverdome where they broke the indoor attendance record. Interesting. Okay. Yes. And at the time, I think, I'm pretty sure Road Warrior, uh, well, the Road Warriors was their tag team. Pretty sure they were in NWA and AWA in and was that uh, the late 80s. All Vince? So Vince Vince wound up buying up the AWA in the early 90s. Okay. NWA was scooped up by Ted Turner, or they had a partnership. It still kind of exists. And then that's when, so they, they all kind of swooped up their, their territories, or in the WCW's case, and Ted Turner, they swooped up and partner with the NWA, and then they had this major, you know, war in right. uh, <laughs> in the uh, in the mid 1990s. So I don't know. I like I grew up 
I grew up watching sort of two different generations of wrestlers. I, the Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior uh, generation, Randy, Randy Macho Man Savage, and then Legion of Doom slash Road Warriors. And then a few years later, it was like that Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, and, uh, and the Attitude Era, as they would call it. That changed it, so. quite a bit, correct? As far oh, it, it was as the, the tone of it, yeah. The tone? Yep. Uh, hey in fact, guys. here he is right now. Okay. Yeah. Come on in here. Let's get him that. Joe Laurinaitis. Let's get a Minnesota connection here. Judd Zolgad, nice to meet you. Yep. Uh, Road Warrior Animal, as he's known. Live here at Radio Row, Mall of America, Joe Laurinaitis. Uh, people, people obviously know his son, James. We were just talking about, I mean, your brother, John, even. I'm a big WWE fan, as you can see by my shameless plugging of a Ric Flair shirt. Oh, I see the Ric Flair t-shirt, man. <laughs> yeah. So, are, are, are you on? Are you here on behalf of anything? The, the floor is yours if you're here on behalf of anything. Yeah, so no, man. Listen, listen. Of course, you know, living in Minnesota for 35 years this is where James grew up. He was, you know, yeah. Mr. Football here in high school, and uh, you know, actually played hockey or with a guy that plays pro hockey, Blake Wheeler for the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah. Okay. Uh, He's not too bad. No, not too <laughs> bad. He, he and James were teammates, and another kid that played on their line. Check this out, right? How many times do you get three kids that play pro sports? Dominique Barber. That played for the Houston Texans, yeah. his brother Marion Barber, right? Yep. They all went to the same high school, and they grew up together. It's crazy. I coached the ball all the way from about 10 years old up to high school. Then I, you got to let them spread their wings sometime, man. But it's surreal, man. This is great for the city of Minneapolis. And, um, and myself being... Born and raised in Philadelphia. Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> how, can I, how can I not That's a dicey be, one these days. I know, bro. I, I want to say fly equals fly, but after, <laughs> after, after they, were beating, be careful. they were beating up poor Millie, uh, <laughs> the 99-year-old lady here in Minnesota. It was worse. Play. They were screaming, bleep Millie. Oh, yeah. I, bro, can you believe that? Have some class. But, you know, people ask me this all the time, and we were laughing when I was doing an interview here just the other day. You know, boy, those Philly fans are angry. And, and I, I remember my wife saying to me sometimes, why are you so angry? I said, I'm not angry. I'm from Philly. It's just. <laughs> you grew up throwing full cans of beers bar, at people's heads. No, no, I didn't do that. But, I, you know, but there's no, listen, you have a last name like Laurinaitis? There ain't no way someone's not trying to steal your lunch money coming home from school or going to school. Come on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got to get in a fight and defend yourself because that's just the way it was back then. Yeah. I mean, I actually grew up right around the Rocky movie neighborhood, the first Rocky. Right there, man. I live in a row home. Was Frank Stallone, uh, his no, brother, no, singing doo-wop songs no, on the corner? Or no? no, but they, I, I was laughing when that movie came out, man. They did that in Philly. They literally sang around a garbage can with a fire going inside it during the winter and, do, do. and singing songs. You know? So it's true. It's not, <laughs> it's it's true. not fiction. It's not fake, man. That's, yeah. that's, that's just the way it was. How did you, and uh, and so I just, I, I was, Judd, Judd's older than I am, wasn't as much into wrestling. I grew up, so I, I remember, I was born in the mid-80s. And so one oh, of my, one of my yeah. first shows was, you guys at the time were the Legion of Doom in the early 90s. Sure. People remember you as the, as the Road Warriors. You wrestled in front of packed arenas and stadiums did you ever have a conversation with james as he was going into ohio state just about like what was it like watching him in front of a hundred thousand people knowing that you know what in a different you know wrestling but, sure, sure. but you had been it calming your nerves and things like that well you know i think that uh you know with james he was he was always such a mild kid until he got on the field or, or on the ice you know, he actually got drafted in the supplemental draft for hockey, too. He was a defenseman. You can imagine in high school, 6'3", 231, off of skates. You can imagine what he looked like on skates. You're about 6'6". Six, six. Who took him? He would murder kids. Pittsburgh. Okay. Yeah, in Pittsburgh. But he decided, because I want to play football. Yeah. I love Ohio State. So in that process, going through it myself, 
because I was a junior college All-American and had some personal issues where I couldn't go on the D1. But I actually was training for a trial with the New Jersey Generals with the old USFL at the time until I went through wrestling camp, and then that came off first. And because of the time, I did the camp during the winter. Tryout wasn't going to be the spring. And I got lucky and got into wrestling. But in doing that, I always taught them, man, there's no shortcut to hard work. And, I, and to be appreciative of how you get to where you're going to go. You know, and he really took, took heed to that. And in going through the recruiting process, from me going through it myself, of course, not to the extent that James did it. My Lord, I had one whole wall in my office, you know, from, you know, 12 foot by 14 foot high, covered with letters from schools around the country, you know, of wanting him to come look at it. And, you know, and, and he trusted me into narrowing it down for him, you know what I mean? And of course, University of Minnesota, because of Dominique Barber and the Barber history, you know, Marion Barber II that played with the Jets. I actually coached a, a semi-pro team here in Minnesota, Minnesota Lumberjacks, with him. So we were really close to the Barber family. And uh, Minnesota, you know, James and Dom all the time. I'm going to be a golden gopher, and, you know, the whole time while I'm here in Minnesota, were, um, until there was a recruiting issue, it had more to do with the head coach having a couple glasses of wine. Whoops. <laughs> getting, getting too drunk at my, you know, whatever. I'm not going to get into that. But, I think you should cut open a vein oh, here. Go ahead. Tell yeah, the whole story. No, 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 man. Well, I, you know, Glenn, Glenn Mason came to the house, and he had been a little tipsy. And then the, Greg Hudson was the D coordinator at the time and told James, I'm going to be your D coordinator. We're going to have a good season. Don't worry about it. All the rumors you hear, I'm not leaving. I'm not going to leave. The next day, it's in the paper. He's going to East Carolina. Yeah. James was dead. How do I trust that? You know, I said, what do you want me to do? He said, well, let's contact the top three again. And, and at the time, <clears throat> uh, Notre Dame and Ohio State were number one and two. Went to Notre Dame. Looked the touchdown, Jesus, man. And that, because James is a real good Christian kid. And said, oh, that is awesome. Look at that, man. I love to come play here. Until we walked in the shoe. <laughs> we walked in the shoe, bro, and they played a video because you, you can't bring them. At that time, you couldn't bring them back into a live game anymore because they're not a committed recruit. <clears throat> so when you're just walking through going on a tour and they play it on the big, huge $100 million TV screen that they got there, bro. Oh, my God. He, it went, he went crazy, and it was surreal. Then when you, then when you are on your – after you're done – your junior year, then you can go and really talk somebody. So then we went down to a game. Well, once we get in there, and uh, no, I, let me take that back. Now, now he's committed, but during the committing process, you got to imagine this, right? Now it's still during hockey season in high school, and he's playing hockey, and now he, but he's hand cleaning, doing all these. He's already got the Ohio State lifting schedule, so he's doing all their lifts already. That's how advanced James was. He goes, "I'm going to find out what they're doing, and I'm going to be." Yeah up A.J. Hawk's rear end finding out what he did to be the greatest linebacker at Ohio State because I want to be that guy mm -hmm. or at least try to be anyway because you never know how it's going to turn out, right? So he's doing all their lifting. He, he, he you know, six, like I said, 6'3", 231 in skates. He was murdering people. This thing here called the Minnesota called the Great Eight, which is <clears throat> they have eight teams of all the senior hockey players in the state that have aspirations of playing junior gold or pro hockey. James says, well, I got nothing to do. I'm training for football. I'm going to play anyway. And he just was murdering guys. But Jim Tressel, as crazy as he was, he sent the whole coaching staff at Ohio. I'm talking the offensive line coach, defensive line coach, the linebacker coach. They came here and watched him play that game. And they, you know, 
from Columbus. They'd never seen anything. Like, they didn't have the Blue Jackets then. They said, is this stuff legal? Yeah. He, <laughs> he's hitting guys that are flying over the boards, into the bench, doing flips on the ice. You know, little wings are coming down. They're hitting James, bouncing off, falling down. You know, it was crazy, man. So that was a crazy experience. Yeah. But, man, going to Ohio State, and when you see a 100, at the time it was like 106,000, and you look around, and it was crazy. And to be a parent and see that, and then see your kid be a three-time first-team All-American and a captain. You're, listen, we went in there hoping he's going to play by his senior year. It's yeah, Ohio State, for God's sake. Yeah. yeah, it's Ohio State, for God's sakes, man. You don't think he's going to win there. But it took one play, and I'll never forget it. It was very surreal. He, he was watching his plays, and I think it's 13 plays before they take away your whole year. Otherwise, they could redshirt you, right? Here we are. We're playing Michigan now. None of the season matters at Ohio State or Michigan until you play Ohio State-Michigan. It was such a rivalry. And we are in Ann Arbor <clears throat> at first play of the game. Jake Long plants Bobby Carpenter, breaks Bobby Carpenter's ankle. Oof. James did kickoff team. He's at the water cooler getting a glass of Gatorade, and they go, this. Get your butt in here. Where are you? Huh? Drives his Gatorade, goes running in. You got to imagine, no. I, and to me as a dad, I'm watching it. And I, I was actually, I think, in Japan or somewhere. And uh, my wife called me at the time. <clears throat> and he goes in the game. He plays the whole game. He only ended up with like four or five tackles. But he was part of hitting Mike Hart. And they put Mark, Mike Hart out of the game. That he, yeah. that's how, To me, that's how, I, how Ohio State won that game. because Brett Hart got put out. <clears throat> and from then, he never... Look back, and then of course you, they played uh, second year, second game of the year next year against Texas Longhorn with Colt McCoy. I think he had a, and there's a couple of interceptions and yeah. touchdown saving tackle, and Brett Musburger sealed his fate. He said, "Well, ladies and gentlemen, we just found out who's the next guy for Ohio State that's going to step up," and he never looked back from that. That's man. awesome. Hey, and, that, and that was a surreal story. As a dad, you're going, "Yeah, you did it." You know, Joe Lorenz. We have another minute or two with Joe Lorenz, Road Warrior Animal for those wrestling fans out there. Just a real quick story, because I know you got to go here pretty soon, yeah. so a minute or two. Tell us as briefly as you can how you got into wrestling back in the day. I mean, you came in, like, ravishing Rick Rude. You came yeah. in with an interesting group. So, Man, check this out. In our gym where we worked out, we had myself and Hawk, ravishing Rick Rude, Nord the Berserker, uh, Smash of Demolition, Scott Norton from the NWO, Nikita Koloff, uh, Tom Zink, Z-Man, uh, Kurt Henning, Mr. Perfect. All those guys, I was from the neighbor high school. All those guys went to the same high school. It's amazing. Same grade. Same grade. That's, how, that's how do you all make it in pro wrestling the same grade, right? And all became major superstars. Yeah. And, you know, Kurt Henning was the only one that went to Vern Gagne School of Professional Wrestling. We all went to uh, Eddie Sharkey. Ed Sharkey. We, five of us bounced at the same bar called Grandma B's, right? It's not in existence anymore, so we can talk about it. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Grandma B's, we're all bouncing in there, and we threw some guy out someday at, at, at Ole Anderson's feet, who owned Georgia's Championship Wrestling, which was WCW. Next thing you know, bam, I like these guys. And Ed Sharkey was the bartender who trained Jesse the Body Ventura. Yeah. And my first membership as a kid was at Jesse Ventura's gym when I was 17 years old. You know, and, you know, Jesse had no time talking. Either. He just was rocking back and forth in his chair like he does, spitting in a cup and everything else. And you know, and, but it was really cool how it all worked out and it came to fruition. And man, whoever fought after this many years, you know, I, I remember when 19 years old in the gym when we all, we all those guys I mentioned that made it big. What got us really interested in it is I look over one time and I see this blonde monster coming in the gym with 23-inch pythons, and it was Hulk Hogan. I said, 
What the heck is that? I didn't ex exactly use that verbiage, but I said, <laughs> what in the heck is that? Look at the size of that SOB. And I said to myself, and I was only about 235 at the time, I said, I am going to be that big someday. And, you know, of course, as a powerlifter, a young, young, hungry powerlifter, I'm saying, I wonder how much he benches watching it. Well, bro. Two years later, I blew those lifts away. You know, so awesome. now I made it. Now I made it, man. Yes, so it's life good, goals man. for us. Hey, Joe Laurinaitis, great yeah. to meet you, man. Hey, man. Hey, man. Tell all your friends there listening to Water Old Water Rush Podcast, man. STL Podcast, okay, network, and uh, they can contact me at my my normal name, Joseph Michael Laurinaitis, or my Twitter handle at RW Animal. You know, stuff like that. So, but listen to the podcast, man. It's a great thing. We're getting you know thousands of listeners are gaining per week, so it's great for us and. Uh, a lot of great sports fans. They cross over quite a bit. Awesome. Man. Say the name of the podcast one more time for the audience. Oh, what a rush pod. Awesome. That's stlpodcast.com. Oh, what a rush. Oh, what a rush. Yes. We're going to give you the Thank doomsday you. device off the air here, Judd. All right, Maggie yeah, no, and Judd back with you for more Radio Row. <laughs> man, that was awesome. Hey, we even, we even got Animal to lean into Judd's face and say, Oh, what a rush. He is great. That's how they ended all of their promos. Yeah. So they had a manager, and he's and this guy's back in WWE now, too, named Paul Ellering. And so he was kind of their mouthpiece. But then they would, you know, they Hawk was more of the mouthpiece, and then they, but they would both cut promos. And they were these sort of funny but also really aggro face paint <laughs> promos. And he still has the mohawk. He's still sort of on brand. And at the end of every promo, they'd look into the camera, and they'd say, Oh, what a rush. <laughs> so, oh, he was glad we got him to he do that. He was fantastic. <laughs> he is a very proud dad, too. Oh, man. And Let's James, think about that. And James family, was a man. hell of a player. Yeah. I forgot about, about the hockey success. So, so Blake Wheeler, who now plays for the Jets, who is um, very good, played in the Wyzetta, I believe the Wyzetta system as a youth. I don't know when, when he left, but because then he went to Breck. And then he went to a play for the Green Bay Gamblers in the USHL for a year and, and actually went to Eshwabanon High School. Okay. And so I forgot that Don Barber, Laronitis, and Blake all played on, on the same youth hockey team at one point. Wow. That was a hell of a hockey line. Well, and then how about the story he told? Like, I knew that he kind of came up, and there was a lot of Minnesota top-name wrestlers that came up lifting weights together and... He rattled off like eight guys from the same height. So Kurt Hennig, mm -hmm. Ravishing Rick Rude, Tom Zank, uh, Barry Darso, who was was Smash and Demoli Demolition was like a look at you was like a <laughs> dominatrix tag team. <laughs> Just rolling through these obscure oh wrestlers as well as the famous. Yeah, I mean, ones. and they're obscure now, but you know, at the time they right. definitely weren't obscure. They were the the main eventers. But he said Hulk, Hulk was training here at one. What's the Hulk, Hulk has some Minnesota ties. Hulk came in. Hulk didn't go to school here ever, I don't think, but he definitely had, well, he AWA ties. I mean, he came in and he wrestled for, okay. for Vern Gagne and, and wrestled in the AWA, so those are his minutes. And, and Ric Flair went to the University of Minnesota for at least a year. And was on played the football fo when he was young. Football team, yeah. yeah. And then at some point after Flair got done with football and was kind of dabbling in wrestling, he got into a plane crash and lived and wound up having severe back trauma that mm -hmm. plagued him, well, it plagued him for two years in terms of like not being able to wrestle, but still like if you if you ever watch Ric Flair near the end of his career, whenever he'd take a back body drop where a guy comes off the ropes and then and then like so you come off the ropes and I lean over and and I flip you up in the air and you land on your back, he would always turn in, in midair and land on his side, 
or if he was getting thrown off the top rope. And so he would always land on his side because of the plane crash from, like, 1975. Okay, yeah, that makes perfect so sense. The, the thing is, one. and this was where, and just to, just to promote Road Warrior Animal a little bit more, um, he, he mentioned the What A Rush pod. It's, it's at What A Rush pod on Twitter okay. if you want to follow it. I've never listened to his I podcast. Say, but I bet you will now. But put it this way. Those old school, and football players are the same way. You talk to an old school 70s or 80s, that generation football and wrestling stars, it's a different world, and they have incredible stories. Like the stories. Oh, that, their stories off the field oh or outside God. the ring Yes, are will boggle your mind. And for wrestlers, what people don't really understand, if you were, if you're, you know, 40 years or, if you're 40 or younger and you didn't really follow wrestling in the, in the 80s, now all these guys, they're, they're highly paid. They're traveling around in private buses and in some cases private planes yes. and, and nice rental cars. Yes. These guys were loading up four dudes in a beater vehicle and traveling, you know, thousands of miles in a weekend sometimes. Go, go back and, and look at what uh, a professional athletes made in the 70s. Go back and look at, like, in 1971 yeah. what, what you made playing for the Cardinals or something. I mean, there, there was a large period of time. In the 60s, uh, 60s, I think, into the early 70s, where you had off-season jobs. Like, you would play for the Vikings, and then you would get a job at the brewery or something. Yeah. So, I mean, this whole no notion now, which is these guys, some own planes, and they own two estates. I mean, th these people were normal, but they had a lot of fun being normal. Yeah. That was the difference. Yeah. So, that's it. I I'm definitely going to check out that podcast. I'm just a huge wrestling geek. Uh, here's our guy, Stefan Diggs, walking around again. Poor dude. All these media obligations. Yeah. Um, let's do this. Let's take a quick break here and come back. Doogie's going to join us at the top of the hour for a scoop session. Do you want to join us? How are you holding up, Stefan? Do you have time to join us? What's going on? Are you doing okay? Here, put this microphone up real quick. Yeah. Here we go. Yes. Let's get 30 seconds with what? Stefan Diggs real quick here. Don't even bother with the okay. headset. What's up, guys? Are you, are you okay? I'm great. Actually, okay. you know what? What not? If you could talk about one non-football thing right now, nothing to do with the Vikings or football. Well, it'd probably be Old Spice. Who's what would you like to talk about? Well, I'm just giving him a chance, though, so you don't have to be asked, like, how does it feel after two weeks? It's, I know everybody asking me. I feel fine. I'm here on behalf of Old Spice introducing a new product, you know, on my behalf. You know, I smell all right right now. You know, it's called, uh, it's called New Captain. You know, check it out. It's part of their red collection. And, you know, it's an everyday smell. There we go. You got it. Oh, oh whistle the jingle. Oh, you're replacing Jennings. Whistle. I cannot whistle. You might replace Greg on this ad. You're going to be in those, be in those bizarro ads smile. next year. I got to smile some more. I got to get there. <laughs> Uh, so, um, is it? Have you been heckled by Eagles fans yet who are no. walking around? No, nah, it's good? okay. I would give them a hug. You know, no hard feelings on my behalf. You know, they're a little aggressive. If I hug them and they want to fight, then I guess there'll be a fight. Yeah. Well, okay. All right. We know that people are pulling for your attention, right. so we'll let you go. We'll talk to you sometime soon. And uh, next year, I'll pour water in your head at the Minnesota nice. State Fair. Nice seeing you guys happen. again. Man. All right. All right. You too. Stefan Diggs. He's walking around. Take care. Uh, all right, let's come back. Mackie and Judd, you never know who's going to show up live He's on gonna Radio He's going to be the Old Road Spice guy. He's going to be the bizarre Old Spice guy. Better than you or I being that guy. <laughs> oh, not, no, 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 no. Is not good enough. I'm too old for that. <laughs> Mackie and Judd live, Radio Row. Let's talk about the best TV on the market. If you're a sports fan and you're not watching sports on a TCL TV, you're missing out big time. Let's talk about the built-in Roku device first and foremost. So we're not even talking about external cords, none of that stuff. Built into your TV connected to 4,000-plus streaming channels, 450,000-plus movies, TV show episodes, 
and 4K picture quality. You go around in some of the top publications that review TVs and technology, where CNET, USA Today, they're given five-star reviews and rave, rave ratings when it comes to the P-Series TV built by TCL. There's a reason why TCL is America's fastest growing TV brand. You can stop into any major local retailer in the Twin Cities, stop by at Target, Best Buy, any major local retailer, uh, and you can even snoop around at TCLUSA.com. America's fastest growing TV brand, TCL. Mackie and Judd back with more from Radio Row. It's chaos. 1500 ESPN and Sprint have teamed up for the big game. Garage Logic Sports Talk and the Ride with Royce will all be live on Wednesday from the Sprint Store in West St. Paul. We'll also have your chance to meet Mike Morris. He'll be at the Edina Sprint Store on Tuesday. That's today. And Maplewood Store on Thursday from 6 to 7.30 p.m. More details at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword Sprint. Mackie and Judd from Radio Row, Mall of America. Stefan Diggs just stopped by to say hi to us. If you want to meet him, Phil Mackie, Best Buy Tech Zone in the Rotunda here at the mall. Photo ops with Stefan Diggs from 2.15 to 3 today. So he will stick around. He looked for in decent spirits. He is. He really is. I mean, he's... That's... In some ways, it's probably a little tougher on fans than it is on a guy like Stefan Diggs because... Yeah. Stefan Diggs didn't grow up in the 1970s watching the Purple People Eaters get beaten for Super Bowls, right? Yeah. And that's where it separates. And I do believe guys in the locker room, especially the younger guys who weren't around for the 09 game, the only guy who was around for that in that locker room is Brian Robinson. Who's, so probably, still, who's, who's probably still very down. For sure. Because it's been a long time. You know, so you know, if you put yourself in yeah. the shoes of a Stefan Diggs, uh, you know, it's disappointing, obviously, that you can't win the NFC Championship game, but if you're a Vikings fan, you just lump it in a pile of eight other heartbreaking games going back decades. That brings up a really intriguing point to me, too, which is this. If you're an athlete, how do you parcel motivation with not staying down about things? Like, it does you no good to be depressed for a month, right? Like well, you if know you me, I'm a, one, I'm a one-segment-at-a-time guy, Judd. You I know, know exactly me. right. You take it one segment at a time. But but I think you can use what happened in Philly to your advantage come next year, certainly. But it does you no good to be depressed about it yeah. and to mope. So there's that. If, if you're a fan, it just sucks. If you're a fan, it just stinks. Yeah, and there's if nothing you're a player, you can do about it. Right. If you're a player, you actually have to find a way to channel that into a positive. Yes. I mean, at least if you're a player, you can do something about it. I, I find that in just general life situations, if I have control over something, it, it reduces my anxiety. Sure. I mean, if I'm, if I'm in my car and I hit a patch of black ice and I'm no longer driving the vehicle, I'm just hoping that I don't crash into a semi-truck in, you know, going 60 miles an hour in the oncoming lane. Yes. I'm anxious because I can't do anything to control the vehicle anymore. And that's the now, Vikings, if you're a fan? Right. I mean, that's what it is. You're, you're watching them in Philly careen out of control down the embankment? Yes. But if you're a player, you <laughs> feel like you at least have one hand on the wheel and, you know, you can, you can do something about it. Doogie, feel free to throw the, the headset on here. Unless you need a break to sit down and... You've been running around the Mall of America, so. You've been running no, around I'm good. I was just bonding or trying to bond with Stefan Diggs is over yeah, We did already. Here, so he stopped by here. He wasn't one of our scheduled guests, and I think his handlers were mad, but he just stopped over and grabbed a microphone. Beautiful. So. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, he's, he's so likable. Yeah. Um, so kind of an impromptu scoop session. No, let's do this. Let's save the scoops for the top of the hour. Let's stay on this thread that we're on right now about the Vikings. Combine it with something we talked about earlier in the hour. How likely is it? that they're just going to dust themselves off in your mind and be right back in the mix for an NFC Championship game next year. 
Like that, we're, we're looking at some of the major hurdles they have to clear. Harder schedule. Defense probably won't be injury free again. And number one, uh, you got to figure out if, if Case Keenum is your guy. Can he repeat the performance? We're kind of on eggshells with this one when it comes to the Vikings next year. Well, I'll lay this out. I was talking to a former longtime Vikings employee last night who still has a ton of friends in the front office, coaching staff, everywhere at Winter Park. He said, history always suggests when you lose the way they did in the championship game, the conference championship game, typically that next year goes downward. Yes. How far does it go downward? Does it spiral out of control completely? But, yes, with that schedule, yeah. you know, you're not guaranteed the sort of durability they had in 2017. Are you looking at a 7-9, 8-8 type year? This individual also made the point, and I'm not quite sure all fans grasp this. I think some do. But they are going to miss Pat Shermer a ton. Oh Regardless of yes. whether it's Bevel, I still think Kevin Stefanski is the favorite. Because I'm just telling you, with Jimmy Sexton as his agent, Stefanski is out the door if they don't elevate him. I'm like 95% positive. Which can't on that. be as the, much as Kevin likes it here. Which can't be the If you don't ball. elevate him, if you don't give him the promotion, but, he's leaving. But Dookie, that that can't. If, if he says I'm gone, and you're like, yeah, I like you, but not that that much, then he's just gone. Like you can't. You shouldn't be forced into hiring Stefanski because he's going uh, to the Giants. If you don't, you've got to firmly believe because you're right. The Shermer factor to me is enormous, and it, it's go, it's going to be downplayed because the quarterback conversation is the sexy one to have. But the Shermer factor is huge here. He had, I can't emphasize this enough, he had an unbelievable year calling plays. And it's difficult to do. Agreed. And to make an assessment, I mean, Norv Turner struggled. He did, Musgrave struggled at Norv times. Norv listened to Sperano too much. That's another thing I gleaned okay, from this conversation point, last But time. my point is the job that Shermer did cannot be downplayed. And it was incredibly Agreed. important. Mm -hmm. And he took his personnel, he took the personnel and said, how can I best make my system fit them as opposed to vice versa. So regardless of who the new offensive coordinator will be, in all likelihood, the offense is going to take a step backwards. So yes, to answer your question, it's hard to envision them going 13-3 and again. It's hard to see them getting to the final two in the NFC again. Yeah, it's, I don't know, this is, to, to broaden the scope of this thing, it's fun. The Super Bowl being here is awesome. I find myself with zero interest to go to the actual game. I don't have a credential. Judd has our credential, and he's going to go. He's going to get in. Like if I'm going to, if I'm, and I think I speak on behalf of a lot of Vikings fans. If I'm going to drop three, four, five thousand dollars just to get in the door of a Super Bowl, I either a want the Vikings to be in it, or b I'll just go to a stadium that I've never, you know, been to before and make a vacation out of it. Yeah, I mean, I would. Yeah, I mean, without the credential, there's no way I would drop thousands of dollars. With the credential, I'll be there. Heck, for no other reason than Laura, my wife, wants me to snap a bunch of Justin Timberlake pictures. <laughs> so, while others are going to get food at halftime, I need to sit in my seat at halftime and snap a bunch of photos. Can't you just go through your computer files and grab those photos? Yeah, I probably could. You're right. <laughs> uh, last night, was we, were, we started the show at 9 o'clock just going over the oddball list of things that we saw at uh, opening night at the XL Energy Center last night. Like, somebody went up to Patrick Chung. By the way, Manny Hill is here from the Ride with Royce. He'll hang out with us in the last hour. Nice effort by your Wolves last night. Uh, so, well, we might talk about that, too. Yeah, we could get into uh, that. Somebody asked Patrick Chung from the Patriots if he could speak Chinese into the camera, and he goes, I'm from Jamaica. Just because my last name is Chung doesn't mean I'm Chinese. Uh, somebody else apparently went up to Bill Belichick and asked him if he had an illegitimate grandchild in Mexico. I heard you say that in the opening hour. <laughs>
but besides that, well, but oh but but still, the best thing is when Brady came out in gloves, continuing to troll the fans. I love this. I love these guys. The Patriots are basically like, if you're gonna do this to us, bleep you. We're doing it right back. Tom, put on these gloves. Tom, why are you wearing gloves? Why are you still wearing gloves? I. This to me is just that is great trolling. That he's basically coming out wearing isotoners. He's Dan Marino, <laughs> circa you know it's 2018. Doing a recall of Dan Marino, 1983. I was just in awe of the spectacle. Like, I was talking to Jess Myers, who does great work for, for us here at 1500 ESPN. You know, last week he's at the camping show at River Center. Like, trying to compare being at the River Center for the camping show to what you experienced last night. I mean, it was the ultimate circus. Forget Barton and Bailey. I mean, you've never seen a circus like that. Heck, the highlight for me was, at one point, I'm tackled from behind. I know you've got a great realtor, Phil. I've heard the spots. My realtor, we're looking at moving in the spring. My realtor of all people, like, great guy. Jay is, like, the greatest guy on the planet. And I know he knows, you know, like, it's two degrees of separation here in the Twin Cities. Like, if you don't know him directly, somebody else knows my buddy Jay. Yeah. Okay, but still, he had a credential. Like, seriously, if you wanted to be there last night and you weren't, that's a you problem. Like, you screwed up not getting well, a credential. Well, like, a lot of fans, I was wondering, because fans were sitting up in the – and it wasn't a packed house with fans. Like, it was like half the arena was available, and maybe only half that was full. Mm-hmm. And if the they Vikings, were loud with the skull chant, If though. the Vikings had been there, it would have been an insane environment. But people pay – I was wondering, people pay 30 bucks to be in there just to watch from afar Tom Brady at a podium you could watch on TV. They There's a, a million set. things to spend money on this week, they and listen. I'm all for spending money on those things. I don't know if last night would have been the thing to spend money on. They listen from their seats. Yeah, They I, walk I really in, and that. they get a little in-arena in radio system. They put on the headbuds, turn to Channel 1, and hear Tom Brady talk about his gloves. Yeah, it was. That's what you get for 35 bucks. It was interesting. I mean, you'd be better off coming here to the mall because guys at different points are randomly walking around since both teams are staying at the hotels here at the mall. You know, randomly run into a guy. Or, you know, Diggs is here. I mean, later in the week, any number of guys. Greg Jennings is on with you guys tomorrow. Later in the week, Eli Manning is here at the mall. Adrian Peterson is here at the mall. Any number of Hall of Famers. Just come here to the mall. Parking is free. Just wander around the mall and stumble into folks. That's what I would do. Adrian, should we get him on our show? How long are you going to play? <laughs> Till I'm 42. No, you're not. He dropped the microphone like because he fumbled it, not because he made a good point. All right, let's come back. Doogie is hanging out with us. Let's come back with some actual scoopage. Vikings interviewing offensive coordinator candidates. Let's see if Doogie's got some information on the local sports scene. Uh, U Darvish hasn't signed yet. If, if the Twins don't land him, what else could they be in the mix on? And uh, Manny Hill will join us for the final hour. We can talk some Timberwolves, too. Also, at 12.15 on the show today, we are going to have one of the top sports handicappers in the world. In fact, he was the subject, or at least the inspiration, for the movie. Uh, it was like 2005, Two for the Money with Matthew McConaughey. Brandon Lang is going to join us in about 20 minutes or so. Mackie and Judd, live Radio Row Mall of America.